In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. And so we come on a very, very special day. We come with a variety of thoughts. We come with many memories. And even if our sainted loved one has left us more than a year ago, we still are reminded on this day of their presence in our life and their presence with the Lord. It is appropriate then on this All Saints Day that we come to the end of our sermon series on the epistles and focus on the book of Thessalonians. It was actually one of the earliest letters of the Apostle Paul written to a group of Christians. And it was a letter written by Paul after he had visited them in Thessalonica and after he had been chased out of town, as it were, by the Jews who were jealous of him. But Thessalonica was primarily Greek Christians, Greek followers, Gentiles who came to know the Lord because of the preaching of Paul. The, gent the, the people in Thessalonica lived in a very hostile environment. They lived in a place that was very large, it was very commercial, it was a traveling trade center, it was filled with people. But it was filled with people who didn't love the Lord. And so as Paul preached to these Thessalonican Greeks, and as it says, many of them came to believe in the words of Paul, they became persecuted, challenged, threatened for their faith. As the book tells us, as Paul tells us, I mean, as, as the book of Acts tells us, Paul preached in the synagogue the first three weeks he was there, and then he was chased out of town, or chased out of the synagogue by the jealous Jews. Paul stayed another three months, maybe four months, before he just couldn't stay anymore. And as he leaves, as Paul often does when he leaves those new believers in a place where he has been, he agonizes for them. He worries about them. They are challenged. They are threatened in their faith. And Paul is always concerned, as we've heard through this whole series, about certain things happening in that particular location. So Paul writes his letter. And he writes to them and he talks about their tremendous faith and he rejoices in how in the midst of all the persecution they remain faithful to the Lord. But one of the questions that comes up in his letter to the Thessalonians is a question that has challenged, plagued, haunted, enticed Christians ever since the ascension of Jesus Christ. Because when Jesus left his disciples after the resurrection, spent his 40 days with them, ascends into heaven, and the disciples are told, don't fret, don't worry. He who left you will come again. 
And that's been the question that Christians have asked from that very first century. So when is it going to happen? When is Christ going to come again? In some ways, it's like the people of the Old Testament who had been told by the prophets that they were going to have a Messiah. And the prophets kept telling the people over and over and over again, don't worry, you're going to have a Messiah. God's going to send the promised one. And they waited, and they waited, and they waited, and he didn't come. And so many of them just gave up. It's never going to happen. Until finally that very special time in the coming of Jesus in the manger. Well, so it is for the people of Thessalonians. The question is, the promise is he's coming again. It's interesting to note back in history that the writers of the Gospels, Matthew and John, who were there with Jesus, didn't sit right down and write the Gospel after Jesus ascended into heaven because they thought he was coming back again and their job was to get the word out and to tell as many people before he came. But he didn't come. And he didn't come. And he didn't come. So finally moved by the Holy Spirit, they sit down to write what they know so that it's preserved. And so it is for Paul. Paul, after his marvelous conversion experience, and after he be, turns from his, his challenge to the church to being the Apostle Paul, thinks too, well, he's probably going to come before I die. And so the question comes up in Thessalonians, and we hear those words from our apostle, from our epistle today, where Paul says, as we heard him say, but we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord. Did you notice in the gospel lesson we read? The announcement had come that the little girl had died, and Jesus' comment is, don't fret. She's only asleep. And that's the word that's used so often in the New Testament for the time when we take our last breath here in this world, this earth, that we are asleep. And how do we say it? We are asleep with Jesus. And we wait when we can all be reunited again, when we can join the Lord. And as Paul talks about then in our epistle lesson, for the day will come when the Lord will return and he will take those who have gone before us and raise them up and we who are still alive will be reunited with them in the air and we will join with them for eternity with the Lord Jesus Christ. In the meantime, we who are alive continue to live our life of faith with the Lord. And yet we're surprised. 
We're surprised that the world in which we live today is not exactly the most joyous place in the world. Our life may be joyous, but the world we live in today that is not necessarily the most joyous place. And in some ways, we can really identify with those Thessalonian Christians. For the world they lived in is not all that different than the world we live in today. And we can, we can identify with them in a number of ways, but especially two of them. First of all, like them, our life is a life that looks forward to eternity. We look forward to the day that we will join our loved ones who have gone to be with the Lord, and we will be reunited with them forever and with our Lord. And the second is, like the Thessalonians, we live in a very challenging time. Why are we surprised? It hasn't really changed. Those Thessalonian Christians were so excited about knowing Jesus and so excited about following the Lord and were so surprised that their friends and neighbors didn't agree with them that the things that were happening in their world around them didn't necessarily reflect that joy of Jesus. And so too, we live in a conflicted world. War. War between Israel and Hamas. War between the Ukrainians and Russia to name only two. Stories in our news almost every day of the tragedies of innocent death caused by war. Hardly a day goes by, but especially a week never goes by that we aren't faced with gun violence. Whether it be gun violence in our streets or gun violence in our community or gun violence in our schools, but hardly a week goes by that we don't hear how people take out their anger and their rage against other people with violence of guns. We live at a time of tremendous political conflict. We follow those who are supposed to be our leaders in government and we see that they can't agree on anything. And the conflict that goes on, whether it be Republicans or Democrats or independents, but the war, verbal war that goes on amongst those who lead. And that sometimes we ask the question, how do we live out our faith today in the midst of all of that that's going on? How do we live out our faith today at a time when People don't seem to be excited about the church. Or people don't really care about who Jesus is. For some of us, the response to all of that that's going on in the world is to build a big wall to protect us. Let's get inside that wall and let's kind of cover up. Let's kind of hide so they can't get us. But you know, I never read in the scriptures of a time when Jesus built a wall to 
to protect himself from the world. I never read a time that Jesus tells his disciples to get behind the wall and protect yourselves. But what does Jesus always say? Go. Go and make disciples. Oh, sure, Jesus at times needs to get away to rest and to pray and spend time with his Father, just like we do. But where do you find him? You find him in the streets. You find him going to the bedside of a 12-year-old girl who's died and saying to her, Tabitha, get up. And she gets up and she walks immediately back to life. Jesus doesn't build walls. And Jesus doesn't want us to hide behind walls. Just like Paul writes to the Thessalonians and says to them, I rejoice in your faith. I rejoice in your love for one another. I rejoice in your love for those around you. So too he says to us, I rejoice in who you are. In, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, Paul says this word, these words, Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you, and may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all, as we do for you, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father as the coming of our Lord Jesus with all the saints. We remain faithful to a loving God by loving. We remain faithful to those who have loved us, that we might love as they have loved us. And we remain faithful with those who have taught us that we might teach others. It's always kind of a sentimental day for me when we celebrate All Saints because I remember, as many of you do, my parents, my in-laws, my four-year-old sister, all of whom have died and are with the Lord. And you know, I'll tell you a little story. I haven't told this story for a while. But I had a four-year-old sister who developed leukemia. And in her day, there was no cure for pediatric leukemia. And I would go to the hospital with my brother, and I was a teenager at the time, go to my hospital, the hospital with my brother and my parents, and I would visit my little sister in the hospital. And I would say, Janice, how you doing? And she said, I'm going to be with Jesus. And those were her last words to me. I'm going to be with Jesus. What does Jesus say? If we have the faith of a little child, we will enter into the kingdom of heaven. And so we remember today all of those that we have named who have had faith and are with the Lord. We celebrate many, many more. But we also remember that God has left us here. 
And he's left us here for a purpose. And the purpose he's left us here for is that we might love one another. And as Paul says, and all people, that they might come to know Jesus as well. So when you read the paper, when you listen to the news, don't be surprised. Don't be depressed. Just remember, that's why we're here, so that people might know Jesus, the God of love, who loved us and who loved those saints gone before us. For in his name we celebrate. Amen.